Welcome to the Global Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Also visit us on social media, um, on Facebook, that's Global Seventh-day Adventist Church, or um, we also have Instagram, Goebbels Youth. Please check us out there. Also um, on our website, GoebbelsSDAChurch.org. Um, please uh, join and join us Sabbath mornings at uh, 9.30 a.m. for Sabbath school and 10 a.m. for church. Happy Sabbath. Can you all hear me all right? Praise the Lord. I couldn't dream of a better special music, children's story, any music that we have heard today because it was performed by our wonderful children. I keep repeating this anywhere I go, that the children that we have in the church and serve the Lord is not the future of a church, is the present of a church. We have them praising God here with us. This church will have future. Amen? And what a beautiful day we have seen today. Well, uh, it's kind of Siberia's weather outdoors. I uh, grew up in Siberia, and, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of my uh, last uh, Sabbath as of responsibility here at Goebbels and Allegan, and uh, kind of ironically that we have this uh, Siberian weather with us. Okay, well, anyway, let's focus our minds on the Word of God, and uh, we will keep traveling through the book of John. You can hear us? Not good. Okay. What if we do like this? Can you hear me any better now? Oh, nice. Okay, let me turn this microphone. Now I'm bound here. Can travel much. All right. Old school. Preaching. Okay. At 14 years of age, a bad boy of a little Massachusetts town was so powerful in his influence for evil that teachers gave up on him. Nobody could do anything about this boy. And uh, they all agreed unanimously that it was pretty poor soil. And uh, they gave up on the um, uh, on that hopeless case until one teacher came in and decided to make a difference in this boy's life. So one day the new teacher came um, uh, and uh, he said, I'm not afraid to try one more time and see maybe something good will come out. And of course, people around were calling him a naive person. You don't know this guy. And everybody called him, uh, you know, uh, told him bad stories about the Marcy boy. But um, with all of that skepticism, the new teacher decided to give it a try. And uh, he analyzed the hopeless souls, began at once to enrich that soil with kindness, justice, goodwill, and confidence. And at the right time, dropped the seeds of uh, ambition, healthy ambition, hope, uh, and uh, self-respect. And sure, soon enough, that gave fruit. The young man dropped the bad habits and became a real learner. Now, this is what happened next. He graduated with highest honors, 
and later on in 1812 became Associate Justice of Supreme Court, United States, uh, and also he later uh, became United States Senator, Governor of New York, and finally Secretary of State. Isn't that something? Remarkable history because somebody refused to believe that this case is hopeless. Somebody trusted there might be good fruit coming out. And this is the story of William L. Mar uh, Marcy, the one I told you about. Teacher believed and as a result, the true light came out through his life. The title for today is The True Light of Education. Now, history of humanity uh, could be, um, uh, I would say, uh, separating a few periods of time, especially from the days of Jesus. And I'm not talking about the prophetical periods. Uh, let's just leave that aside for now. We're talking about the uh, pure history. And we know that uh, in the days of Jesus, uh, what was the world dominant power? Rome. After Rome um, uh, fell, there was another power, kind of a um, union of religious and political power uh, by Roman church. And that period was kind of a long period of time. And uh, historians called it unanimously dark ages. And it was uh, not because the sun was uh, darkened at that time. It's because the, any progressive thinking that people were uh, introducing to the world was prohibited and punished and that's how uh, most of the progressive thinkers ended their lives uh, some were being burnt on the stake some were being closed in prisons and tormented to death and that's why this uh, was called the dark period after that there was a period of reformation and later on I would like to have your attention here the period called Enlightenment period. Uh, we know that uh, there was a period of, that was called Dark Ages and now this period was called the Enlightenment and we know dark is the opposite of what? Of light. Unfortunately, in that Enlightenment period, because of the previous history of uh, God's people not understanding the true foundation of knowledge in Enlightenment period, most of the thinkers decided to divide science from worship to God. And that's where we live today that science is separated from faith in God in all of the world institutions. And all because God's people have failed to recognize the true foundation of education. Now, we will focus our attention on a, a chapter in uh, the Gospel of John that also is dealing with this lost foundation of true education. Let's open chapter 9 in the Gospel of John, and we'll start reading, and we will meditate, meditate as we go. Verse 1 says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. I would like you to pay attention what Jesus did passing by. He noticed a man that was blind from birth. And I like that uh, phrase, passing by, he did some good. It's like one of the things that Jesus did at all times is doing good things. It didn't matter if he was sitting, if he was going, if he was on the way, or simply passing by. Jesus would notice 
people in great distress and trouble. And this text tells us as he was passing by, he saw that man that was uh, uh, born blind sitting at the side of the road. Uh, just uh, uh, not seeing anything, just sitting in the darkness for a little time, it's difficult. And imagine uh, when you don't have anything to compare with uh, when you were born in a complete darkness. You don't even know what light looks like. And this was the life of this man sitting at the side of the road. Christ have healed many people that were blind. Some of them have received blindness as a result of accident. Some other people as a result of a disease. But this man was, it says, it was already born blind. And by picking up this hopeless case, so to say, Jesus wants to show there's no hopeless case with him. All things are possible through Jesus Christ. Our Savior. The compassions of our Lord Jesus towards uh, him were very tender. He saw him. This means Jesus, before he helps somebody, he needs to see the needs first. And that's why he saw that man sitting at the sound of a road and he stopped and he was about to do a miracle. This poor man could not see Christ, but Jesus Christ was able to see that person that needed him so much. It's interesting that disciples of Jesus were also in the crowd next to Jesus Christ. They also saw the blind man, but they saw him uh, with different eyes. And that's what we read in verse 2. Your Bibles, let's follow. It says, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Hmm. We are talking about education today. We had children on the stage performing today. It was so wonderful, so beautiful. And let us all remind ourselves that we are all students in the University of Christ. Do you agree with that? We are all students now. We're disciples of Jesus, also students in Christ's university. Absolutely, yes. Now what they had in that story that day was a case for discussion. A blind man that was born blind, a wonderful scientific scenario for th theological discussion. They decided to ask who actually is at fault that this man was born blind. Now, I'd like to pause here for a moment. My friends, this is how far we may land from reality when we lose the understanding of the foundations of a university where Jesus Christ is the main master. Disciples did not see the need. They saw a case for discussion. When Jesus looks at the same man, he sees somebody that is desperately in need for help.
Disciples of Jesus saw in the poor beggar a case for discussion, but Jesus Christ passing by saw that poor beggar as a lost soul sitting in the darkness. However, that poor blind man was able to see Jesus in the dark better than his disciples were. Jesus in that poor blind man saw somebody that was lost but wanted to be found, and disciples thought they were actually enlightened but couldn't understand the essence of God's kingdom. He saw somebody that was blind, but spiritually more aware than his own disciples. Jesus saw the sufferings and humiliation of that blind man that he went through all of his life because I guarantee disciples were not the first to ask this silly question, whose fault actually it was that he was born blind. And on the top of a physical pain, of getting bruises, uh, hitting the objects because he couldn't see where he was going. There was uh, an agony, spiritual agony, where he was trying to understand how is it that somehow in his mother's womb he was able to wrong God that he was born blind. Does that, that sound wrong? It does sound absolutely different from the kingdom of God. The disciples simply saw another man sitting on the side of a road, but Jesus saw sleepless nights that this man has spent. All of the bruises that he got. Disciples saw a topic for discussion, and Jesus saw the beggar tormented by heat in the day and cold in the night. And most important, loneliness. Loneliness because he, with his trouble, was unique, and when you are unique in your trouble, you have nobody at your side to sympathize with you. That's why how many times he was crying out to heaven, Jesus, probably God, why is that all happening to me? When this all end, how many times he was asking God for a miracle, for a salvation. Now, dear parents, Dear students, it doesn't matter how many classes we will take in life, does not matter how many degrees we will acquire, if at the end of the day we are not able to see the need of people around us, all of our education is worthless. All of the diplomas will get there, nothing but the paper on the wall if we are blind to the people's needs. The true light of education is shown by God here in compassion of Jesus towards this somebody sitting at the side of the road that was born blind. Thus, on the question of his own disciples, Rabbi, who sent this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Verse 3, Jesus answered. What does he answer? Our scripture reading says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but for the works of God that should be revealed in him. Whose works should be revealed in this blind man's life? The works of God. So when we help our brothers and sisters, whose works we do? The works of God, and when we fail to help our brothers and sisters, we fail to do whose work? 
the works of God. And I love Jesus, especially when he is so passionate to protect the vulnerable, to rescue the oppressed, to set the captives free, and to liberate those that are sitting in the darkness. So on the direct question, whose fault was that this man was born blind? Jesus' answer was none. He actually addressed those that have put that question together. Those that have made the test were wrong in the very essence. None of those answered because he was given two options. His parents or him, right? And what did Jesus say? Absolutely wrong. Absolutely wrong question. Wrong answers. Everything. I came here not to decide whose fault it is, but to save those that are lost. That was the ultimate statement of Jesus. Verse 4 says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And first, the father has sent his son in this world not to be idle, but he wanted that his son to do some works. And not just some works, his works, the works of his father. And also, it is important that those work was supposed to be done at the daytime. And when we are talking about the daytime, we're not talking about the uh, circadian rhythm like 24 hours when we have day and night. Uh, we know also that Jesus sometimes spent the whole night in prayer, right? And we also know that Jesus, from the Gospel of John, have received people at the nighttime as well. Do you remember that? With Nicodemus. So we are talking about that Jesus is saying, I must do the works of God, of one who sent me before I die. This is my time that is given to me. And before I die, I have to complete my run and my race. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And as long as, as I am in the world, I am what? I am the light of the world. And it's interesting that we have talked about the enlightenment period and some statements that people were using about knowledge, that knowledge is light. So we take that expression, that knowledge is light, and we match it to the statement of Jesus here, that I am the light of the world. And we result in an equation that says Jesus is the true knowledge, and uh, he is the goal of every education. And once we know Jesus, we acquire, we acquire the greatest knowledge ever and the greatest wisdom ever. Amen? Absolutely true. My dear parents, dear students, dear brothers and sisters, when we try to make our choices for or against Christian education, we have to remember that we labor so hard in this world, not for earthly goals, but for the eternal purposes for those that Jesus Christ has said before us, teachers, and now I refer to you, and I'm talking about all of the teachers, the greatest reward you will ever have is when on a crystal sea, one of your students will come up to you and will say, thank you for showing me Jesus. Thank you for being an example for me. Because of your faithful ministry, I am here today. Amen. And now I'm going to talk to the parents. 
and grandparents that help their children grow spiritually, the greatest reward you will ever have in life when your own children and grandchildren will come up to you on a crystal sea and say, thank you for being example of Christ-like walk in my life. Because of that, I am standing with you here today. Amen? What a greater reward we could dream of. Why we work so hard on improving our Christian education, while we strive so hard all the time to make it happen, is because we understand the true value of children coming to, at the feet, to the feet of Jesus and learning from him. Whatever they may learn now uh, will stay with them forever because Jesus, when he builds something, he builds for eternity. When he educates somebody, he wants it to last forever and not just for a few decades of this life, troublesome life. And when we think of this, no sacrifice is big enough when we think of that goal, when we have that in front of us all the time. And then we get into the acts of Jesus in the same story. We got to follow this story here. Verse 6 and 7 says, When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go in the pool of Shiloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. What we just had read over here is somebody was looking at that poor beggar, blind man sitting at the side of a road as a case for discussion. But Jesus saw in that beggar a beautiful unit, a beautiful man that could serve, that could be with Jesus forever in his kingdom. And uh, what uh, Jesus did here, interesting enough that he would put something on his eyes and he would not complete the work. What would he say to this man? Go and wash yourself in the pool, Shiloam, which is called also, what? Sent. Did Jesus send this man over there? Isn't that something? That Jesus sent somebody to the pool of Shiloam that is called sent. And as he was washing his eyes, he was able to see first time in his life. When I read these words, it doesn't sparkle anything in our hearts, unfortunately, because we don't understand what it means to be blind and then see again. We, we, we don't understand what it have an impairment, and then all of a sudden receive the cure. And I'd like to share with you a story, and nowadays story, um, that deals with a different impairment, like uh, with um, impairment of hearing. Somebody that was born deaf um, uh, was uh, found him, uh, himself at the side of the road. He couldn't enjoy life. He couldn't hear sounds. So one thing that he liked, though, in life is sports. And sure enough, all of the uh, coaches have noticed in this young man great talent for uh, football. Uh, we call in Europe American football. You call it football, okay? It's all right. 
It's all right. Now, what happened next is, uh, as he was performing so well in his uh, uh, football career, he was able to choose the university he would like to go to. And uh, when he was asked what university he would like to join, he um, wrote a letter and that was uh, for Nebraska. And that's where he uh, played uh, in that team. And his name was Kenny Walker. Now, um, what happened is that he became uh, one of the best players of the league that year. And as a result, he was called Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think it's a great title? Yes, apparently, yes. And now the um, uh, triumph of uh, the season was actually their home game at the um, uh, University of Nebraska. And you know the practice is that they call alphabetically players by name to the stadium. As, as they run to the stadium, uh, they are cheered up by the applause. And you know that you will hear that um, that class, but he wouldn't be able to hear that. All he could feel is the vibration of the air when uh, 75,000 people are clapping at the same time. Do you think that would be a vibration? Absolutely, yes. So this is what happened next. The Omaha World Herald explained to fans a unique way to salute the defensive uh, player of the year and explaining that he was born deaf and he wouldn't be able to hear your applause. So what they taught people to do is as his name is going to um, be called and it would be his time to go on the stadium, people instead of class, they would stand up and as a sign of an uh, applause for the deaf, they would wave like that would wave like that. He didn't know anything. Kenny didn't know anything about it. So when it was his time to run to the stadium, he didn't feel the vibration as he was expecting usually. And he was kind of puzzled. What's going on? And he started looking around. And what was he, saw, uh, see, was he seeing there? 75,000 people standing and waving at him just telling how much they appreciate his contribution to the game. You know, that story touched my heart. Do you think, do you think that touched the heart of Kenny Walker? Absolutely, yes. Let me ask you the question, was that waving Something that healed his condition of being deaf? Did that heal him from that? No, he did not. But now imagine the man that was born blind going to that pool, according to the word of Jesus, washing his face there, and then he's able all of a sudden to see for the first time in life as the water is playing interesting colors as the sun is playing in the water, as people are passing by. Before he was only able to hear them, now he was able to see them. Do you think that made an impact in his life? He would never forget what just happened in his life. You know, People are people, 
And that's why we have verse 8 and 9. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And he said, I am what? I am he. Somebody in the crowd could doubt the work of Jesus Christ, the touch of Jesus Christ. But the one that was touched by Jesus would never mistaken that touch for anything else. He knew who healed him. And he was confident that the one that healed him was the man of God. And further discussion, I don't have time to go into that, how he was brought before uh, the priests and the scribes, and he was supposed to tell them story over and over again, how Jesus have touched him, and how now he is able to see his parents almost denied him in the process. But the one who was touched by Jesus will never forget that in his life. For we know the touch of Jesus is the most gentle touch you may ever experience. The touch of Jesus is the most merciful thing that may ever happen to you. And what a blessing it is when we may touch people's life in our schools and our churches. My friends, do you know that most of the world, people do not have basic knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. They don't know. They don't have an ability to hear that simply because they were born in that part of the world. And look how many opportunities we have in our churches and schools today. So that's why when we come and work hard so that our school looks presentable and nice, that's why when we come and feed the kids over there, we touch them like Jesus would. Anybody in this church that participated in con and contributed to this education in the University of Christ for this little ones has done the work of God and has touched them with a touch of Jesus. And aren't you glad that Jesus could use you in that process? We praise God for the teachers we have in our school. We praise God for church members that uh, do uh, what they can and even more to be a blessing for this education to happen. We praise God for the parents that choose to do the best for their children. And we praise God for kids that choose to learn from Jesus. And what I like about Jesus is that he is not afraid once he touches us to send us in the world. Did you see that? Uh, the cure didn't come upon the blind man right away. He was still was supposed to find his way somewhere to the pool Siloam, uh, Shiloam, and he uh, finally got there. And Jesus was confident, though, that this touch was enough. This man will stand for him forever and ever. And my friends, this same is with us. Once Jesus touches us and our lives, he sends us into the world. He is not afraid to send you, for he knows after he touches you, you will never forget that. And you'll be willing to share that with anyone whom God sends into your life.
I started with an interesting hopeless case today, and I will end up with another one on a major scale. It was the Marcy boy. It was just one boy in the beginning that was a troublemaker that nobody could handle and finally proved to be a great man of God because a teacher refused to call him a hopeless case. And I will tell you another story about the village uh, uh, school that um, had a classroom that nobody could handle. Nobody could handle those kids. They would be wild. They would be unruly, uncontrollable group of individuals that were called children, students. And now, um, again, the group of teachers, they said, well, we're brave enough to give it a try. They gave it a try. They all failed. And they told, well, this is impossible. We can't do anything with these kids until somebody stepped in on the platform. Again, somebody that looked at these kids with the eyes of Jesus. And he told them, well, I'll give it a try. And again, there was a laughter at him. Oh, no, you will fail as we did. No way you would succeed with this group of kids because they said, you are naive. You don't understand who you are dealing with. And he simply started his careful work with his kids. And again, he would uh, start trusting them. He would um, uh, start um, working with them in a kind way that the kids have never seen before. And uh, the teachers that were laughing at him in the beginning, now they have noticed some difference that with them, they were still disobedient, and misbehaving kids. But with that teacher, anytime he was with them, they would listen to him. They would be obedient children. And the final test, though, happened when that teacher told one day his classroom of those uncontrollable kids. He said, you have what to do at your test right now. You know what you are supposed to do. I'm stepping out of the room because I need to go and spend some time with the principal. When you finish your test, you may put your papers on the table and we will call it good. And he stepped out of the room. What do you think the kids thought? Nobody have ever trusted us that much. But there was one kid though he thought, oh, now it's a party time. He grabbed the geography book and threw it right in front of a classroom, trying to hit one of his uh, fellow students. And he um, missed, of course, the book landed on the floor. And everybody in the room said, how did you dare to break this teacher's trust? They finished the test submitted their papers on the table. And when this classroom graduated, they were a model class, not just for that village, but for the nation, with their achievements and their grades. My friends, the look of Jesus is different than ours. And our natural tendency is to 
treat others as we see them. But when that happens, let us pause for a word of prayer and ask that Jesus would give us his eyes, that Jesus would give us his hands, his heart, his mind, his everything, and we would become one with him in touching the lives of others that some of them, by the way, have been born blind to spiritual light. And maybe you are the only one that is called to bring them to the light of Jesus Christ. That's how Jesus is the true light of education. Amen.